She sits on the terrace, daydreaming, thinking, could this really be the way that love feels? The feeling, the tingle, the butterflies in her stomach, dreaming what would life be like to be with him if he would only give up a name. Because she would be willing to discard hers for the sake of love. What's in a name anyway? And as she daydreams above, he sits below listening to her. And he calls out to her, frightening her. And they lock eyes and gaze upon the beauty of one another. Believing this is what love has to be. It's here in Act 2, Scene 1 of Romeo and Juliet, at the terrace of Juliet's house, that Romeo calls her to act, to leave the grounds of her home and to come out into the world with him, to live, to love, to be, even if tragedy occurs, come away. Now, this is one of the alternative texts in our lectionary today. It's summer, so I thought, why not get to preach from my favorite book of the Bible? <laughs> now, a brief side note about this text that I will be referring to it as Songs of Songs and not Songs of Solomon. Song of Solomon is taken from the subscription, the Songs of Songs, which Solomon may have. The latter suggests that the song was associated with Solomon or perhaps part of a larger collection of materials gathered under Solomon's name. It does not mean that he wrote it. And as Professor Elaine Davis points out, calling the text Songs of Solomon perpetuates the problem of rendering women in the Bible invisible. This is a very woman-centered text. The women's voices predominate. The entire text is cast from a voice of a woman. And even when the male lover speaks, the woman says, my lover says to me. In this way, the woman's voice is the center of the poem's action and meaning, and that must not be underestimated. Now, let's be really honest. For most of us, we bypass this book in the Bible because of its sexual nature and content. And because much like the book of Esther, God is not mentioned at all. And because of our own anxiety of saying sex <laughs> in church, the early theologians changed the nature of the poem to mean God's love for Israel or Christ's love for the church. But come on, y'all. <laughs> While we can force perspectives and eisegesis to this text, the focus is not so much how the early theologians describe it. And the focus goes much deeper than sex but rather about relationship. 
relationship to seasons, to land, to humanity, and even all creation. And as with any relationship, there are ups and there are downs. Much like Romeo and Juliet, the male lover calls to his beloved to come out of her hibernation for winter is over. The vines have blossoms, the figs have fruit. Arise, my love, and come away with me. Let go of whatever you are holding on to. Leave it. Come away with me. For the sun now has longer hours, for now the light outlast the darkness. In this garden setting, it gives us some of the Garden of Eden vibes. This lush, abundant fruit, no thorns and thistles, woman and man in harmony. Together. Building relationship between each other and creation and community. It's the garden of this sustaining oasis, nourishing all that's around, that woman and man is in an egalitarian relationship. Yet the world of the song is not paradise. There are also threats. See, because from three chapters from what we just read, we quickly learned that all the spring has really done is just melt away the snow and uncovered all the pain that was actually hidden from our eyes. The call to come away was not just into love, but away from tragedy. Because not long after this Shulamite woman leaves her safety out of her world into this new place, she encounters the watchman and the watchman, they beat her and abuse her. And while she is there, she yells out, I will never stop searching for my love. We must also note to the unnamed Shulamite woman, we see you, we hear you, we believe you, and may the church learn from you. My friends, we've, we've seen some predicaments like this before where we thought that spring had come, that winter was over, that the darkness was passed away, that light was going to shine. We thought. We thought that the lilies were opening and blossoming and sharing their fragrance with all of us that the dogwoods had resurrected. We left our corners of the world and then boom, a pandemic hit us. We had to learn to do life in a very different way than ever before. And as the snow of winter continued to melt, our eyes saw the injustice that had been there all along. And though our eyes have seen and ears have heard, many of us continue to try to act as if it was just going to pass away. 
but we continue to see aspects of of the winter, of the pain, of the hurt, of the tragedy. The families turned against families, friends let go of years of loyalty and history, congregants left their churches and despised their pastors because opinions and comfort was more important than the gospel. West weapons turned against civilians, voices yelling out from the streets, calling out, we thought spring had come. And how in the world can we rejoice as the fig tree bears fruit and when it seems tragedy is still around? The beauty of this song and the message that we must remember over and over is that it's a song that is calling us into a love that is beautiful but also awkward at times. That calls us to work within a sphere, a space that may have tragedy but can also rejoice with the lilies and that the fragrance comes to wash over us and remind us that there is good all around us too. And you might think that's too Sesame Street and Kumbaya, but understand that this is an active, resilient love, not one that just stands at the cross and weep at tragedy and states how sad it is, but a love that takes down a body, anoints it, buries it, and spends a lifetime being a disciple, sharing the good news and gospel changes around us in the midst of a tragic community. It's, it's a humanist song, yes. It's a humanist song more than what we could say probably is this big gospel rendering. But it still has good news for us today. Because through the winters and the springs of our lives, it asks of us, and I will add, it asks of God's beloved children to arise, to come away from the pains, the tragedy, the hurts of our world, to come away and to come into love. Arise, my love, and come away from your scaled eyes. Arise and come away from hurtful dogma and ideologies and perspective. Arise, my love, for now is the time for speaking, moving, letting go. Now is the time for singing. Arise, my loves. Some of you may or may not know, this is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. August 11th of 1973, in a rec room of an apartment building on Sedwick Avenue in New York City, an 18-year-old Clive Campbell came to a back-to-school party with his younger sister, Cindy. 
friends and neighbors were dancing and moving around to James Brown and Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner. And some say it was by accident, but Clive says it was intentional that behind those two turntables of the records playing, that he began to mix some songs together. A, a technique known as the merry-go-round, that one moves back and forth from the record to the next, looping different instruments and music together. And throughout time, it became known as hip-hop. It wasn't officially recorded until almost 10 years later, largely due to those who made the music was mostly impoverished and could not actually afford recording or finding someone who would take it on. And much like the song before us today, hip-hop has been deemed as nothing but music of sex, drugs, and money. Now, I know that's if you're listening to Little Dirt, Rich Homie Quan, and such that none of y'all know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but that was contrary to the purpose of why it was created. The genre began to take form, and it was less about making bodies move, but to tell the story of bodies, black bodies specifically in America. The Sugar Hill Gang, to the hip, hop, the hippie, to the, anybody, no, okay, we'll get to the next one. Grandmaster Flash of Don't Push Me To Because I'm Too Close To The Edge, Ice Cube, Biggie. Tupac, all of these songs was a calling out to community to tell the story of what is happening, but also calling them out to act. These songs took on the old spiritual version of call and response but not in its original way. See, when enslaved people wanted to hide secrets of the plantation or even share how to escape, they would do it through call and response, that one individual in the field would begin to call out in a song way, and the rest of the enslaved people would mirror back exactly what was being said to show that they understood what was being said and to affirm that they would act in what was being said. This, what we see in hip-hop, in rap, it wasn't in the fields, but a call to action and ways to live some secrets here in this country. That I see you in what you too are living in, the tragedy, but also ways that we can come together to live, act, and be. A call to leave inactive spots and to rise as the snow melts and things uncovered, to rise and act. 
Though it may feel as if pressure and the world is up on you, may it feels like a jungle sometimes rise and come away and see that there can still be good. My friends, my loves, may we mirror the song. May we mirror the Shulamite woman and all the chorus to rise and come away from tragedy and pain and hurt and to come into love. I think we all could use it. Amen.